Welcome to Season 4 of the Tommy and Adam Partonian Podcast. Starring El Gran Tommy Martinez. And featuring Brought to you by Data Coba Promotions. Coming to you from Data Coba Promotions Studio One. And featuring Data Coba Promotions Studio Equipment. And now, buckle up for the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Welcome and welcome to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, season four, episode number seven. Lucky seven. However, it's not lucky at all because you still won't be hearing the voice of the humblest guy that I know on planet Earth, Mr. Adam Tate. Absent. Yeah. He's still gone, but uh, wow, I've actually done more episodes solo right now than what we've done together this past season, but it doesn't matter because I'm ready to deliver yet another great episode of this podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and many other of your favorite DSPs. Woo! I love that last podcast. It was pretty good. It was probably one of the shortest I've ever done. Which is, <laughs> which means I'm either progressing or I'm just getting tired of talking to myself. And when it comes to me, I highly doubt that I'm progressing. A lot of cool things have happened here in the past couple of weeks. I want to send out a greetings to fellow Wichita podcasters, the Scotch Test Dummies. A few weeks ago at the Three Kings celebration that was held here at the Cedric County Extension, I was able to meet Bart. He is one of the guys behind the Scotch Test Dummies. That particular podcast is about trying out whiskey, I believe some scotch. It's a spirits, drinks, whatever you want to call them, trying out podcast. I know about these podcasts because my friend Sammy Rodriguez subscribes to one. I'm not sure this is the one. Anyway, I got to sit down with him, pick his brain. Bart has been doing podcasting for about 10 years now. He also has another podcast of another interest of his, which are board games, fantasy role-playing games. He was real cool about sharing his experiences. Someday when Adam comes back in the future, we'll decide to do a video or a video format podcast on top of the audio. And it was just good to get some ideas since this winter I've been trying to learn how to edit videos. And so thank you, Bart. Thank you to the guys of uh, Scotch Test Dummies. The best to you and continued success with your podcast because creating content isn't as easy as some people would think it is. But then again, everything that you like or everything that you love doing, you got to put some work into it. So that's that's pretty basic. That is unless you like putting out shit, then that's another 20 bucks. Also, in the past few weeks, we've had some deaths in the rock and roll world. Shit. Like I said a couple of episodes ago, our rock heroes are dwindling down. Jeff Beck of the Yardbirds, the Jeff Beck group, guest guitarists on numerous 
records that we love, highly influential, highly cited guitar player, passed away at 78 years old. Now, here's my take on that. 78, you lived a good life, buddy. So rest in peace, man. Also, uh, Robbie Bachman of Bachman Turner Overdrive, great drummer. You really don't hear a lot about Robbie Bachman, but I'm positive you've listened to a lot of BTO and I'm positive you've heard this particular song numerous times on classic rock radio and it's taking care of business. BTO. So uh, rest in rock and roll heaven. Mr. Robbie Bachman. Also, on a quick footnote here, Elvis's daughter died. I only think that made the rock and roll news because she so happens to be Elvis's daughter. But, you know, again, hopefully she found some peace as well. And before uh, I start this thing that I dare call a podcast, I did get some news from Adam, heard from him, and he's doing fairly well. According to how I understand it, Adam is not a guy to share any kind of private news about himself. Actually, everything I've learned about Adam, I've learned here on this podcast, believe it or not, other than our, you know, mutual love for rock and roll and rock and roll music, rock and roll lifestyle. He said he had heard the previous podcasts and said they were pretty good. I think it was just being cool with me or just trying to egg me on in order for me to keep doing this podcast uh, by myself. I don't think he heard the, <laughs> the last Zeppelin 101. I don't know how amused he was after that one. If you haven't heard it, you could uh, check out the previous podcast, episode uh, number six of uh, season number four. And send me an email. Send Adam and me an email at TommyNAdamPod at gmail.com. It's on the description link of this podcast. And without any further preambles, how about we get this thing rolling down the road? Yep, that's how we started here, baby. And today is January the 21st of 2023. And today's the National Use Your Gift Card Day. (laughs) And the National Day is brought to you from the pages of the National Day Calendar.com. And that's a a little ditty from the Snake Oil Willie Band. And it's called the gift card. That little uh, gift that you get inside of an envelope, which I absolutely adore. I actually adore giving it versus getting it. I think a lot of people are like that. Now we use kind of a Christmas tune to introduce this uh, National Day of. But another appropriate song, Van Halen's Best of Both Worlds would have worked out perfectly it works giving and getting like i told you i love giving them because there's no work involved after online shopping for a non-shopper like me gift cards were the best thing ever invented now i'm going to give you some statistics on the gift card market some are really really interesting here it says the global gift certificate market was worth 295.2 billion dollars 
the U.S. gift cards market size is projected to reach $170.78 billion. That's a lot of money. Here's something really cool. 48.28% of all digital gift cards were sold in December. And I guess this one coming up is the reason why there's an actual national day to spend or to use your gift card. 51% of US adults, adults forget to redeem their gift cards. I think you're listening to one of them. I have forgotten a gift card here and there. And the interesting thing about this that it actually points out adults within that 51%. That means kids take off off to the races once they have that gift card in hand if they're not using it online already by the time they take it out the envelope to the time they log on boom spent here's this last statistic that i'm gonna lay on you millennials make up 37 percent of gift card buyers 37 percent. that means millennials at least in my view the ones that we like burning at the stake at the drop of a hat actually have thought this through. This is awesome. So going back to this day, what is this day really about? This day is about going through your wallet, through your purses, through your shelves, through your uh, your kitchen utensils, drawers, wherever you may put these gift cards and try to spend them. I think the hardest ones are the restaurant ones just because of trying to figure out where you want to eat. And that is if you're going to go out with another person. Usually going out with another person to eat is a big ass pain in the balls. The easiest ones to spend, I would say, are the online ones like Amazon and the other major retailers that are online because that one requires zero effort. That one requires as much effort as you going online and picking out a gift card that is an e-gift card and emailing it to somebody. Now, I'm guilty just like anybody else when it comes to these damn gift cards. But in my case, at least during the years of having been given gift cards, when I'm tired of seeing them on my my dresser drawer or on this little table that I put all my things on, kind of like a little throw box is what I want to call it, of things that I may or may not use later. Or even sometimes I, I, I see them kind of hidden behind some other bullshit in my wallet. What I do is I've taken them and I've moved them to where my cash should be in my wallet. I think, And I don't have a lot of cash on me because I'm, I'm a married guy. I've been married for over 30 years. Plus, I'm a grandpa now. So all my money goes to my wife and my grandchildren. Now, that aside, take those gift cards like uh, the ones that you could go to a sandwich shop or the ones that you could go to a coffee shop or the ones you could go to some, you know, one of the cheapy ones that they give you. Keep them there because you will frequent or you'll pass these places like the Fast food restaurants. Yeah, sure, they could give you a gift card for uh, that's a $10 value or a $15 value, and you could get a combo meal and keep on rolling. Done. Gift card out the way. Less clutter. And another advantage to doing that is you don't have to lie when they ask you, Oh, Dad, did you use the gift card I gave you? And you go, Oh, you're trying to figure out which one somebody gave you. And you don't have to tell them, Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I really enjoyed combo number three from Hamburger Belly Buster Barn. Thank you for contributing to my fattiness. Unfortunately for all of you, we've come to the part that everybody enjoys when Adam is here because he's the one that comes up with the creative ways to uh, how to observe the hashtag National Day of. In this case, it's hashtag use your gift card day. So this is how I'm going to do it. We all know that social media is a way to uh, give clout or people love to presume 
on social media. So what you're going to do is I'm going to take whatever gift cards that I have left. I'm going to go ahead and organize them by who gave them to me. I'm going to snap a selfie. I'm going to upload it to social media with the person who gave it to me tagged. And I'm going to write on there. Thank you for your $10 gift card that I spent $7.37 on this wonderful cup of coffee. Hashtag National Use Your Gift Card Day. Now that I think about it, I gave out a lot of advice on quote unquote on what to do with your gift cards. And here's my thought on that. That's not influencing. I am very much an anti-influencer, influencer culture kind of person. So you could take all that advice that I just gave or whatever you want to call it, throw it out the damn window, do whatever the hell you want to do with your gift cards. Shit. It's yours. It's not mine. To close out the national day segment, today is also national hugging day. Go ahead and feel free to give as many hugs as you like, but warn people. Just let them know. Today's National Hugging Day. You don't want some kind of legal problem on your hands. It's the Tanya and Adam's Hard to Name Podcast. Today in Rock. It's the Red. Today in rock history. Brought to you from the pages of history.com, todayinmusic.com, songfactshistory.com, and classicbands.com. And this right here are the kinks. Girl, I want to be with you. Classic rock. The best kind. These kinks, man. Goes to show you what you could do once you write a song that transcends the ages. I was a kid when this song came out. Probably came out before I was born, and I love it to this day. All day and all of the night. It just tells you right there. I want to be with you all day and all of the night. It's an expression of love. 60s kind of love. On the last episode, we uh, opened actually with a historic piece about the uh, BBC show Top of the Pops. On this episode, I'm going to give you a little taste of another one that was called Shingdig. Because in 1966, January the 8th of 1966, the Who and the Kinks perform on the last showing of Shingdig. This show aired on ABC television and ran from 64 to 65. It was a series of performances spotlighting the artists that were hot at that moment. Anywhere from British mod to folk to rock to country and western. They had beatniks on there. It was a really, uh, as they would say back then, a very groovy show. It was also one of the first rock and roll shows here in America. I mean, sure, they had these other genres on there, but rock and roll was really the main feature. Who wanted to see something that wasn't exciting as a rock performance live on one of their shows? Shingdig actually provided this for performers on this show included Tina Turner, Bo Diddley, Sonny and Cher, The Beach Boys, James Brown, Jackie Wilson, The Supremes, The Ronettes. And there's all this diversity going through this show being broadcasted out to the American public in the 60s. And like I've always said, the context of this is where you need to look at affecting culture, affecting society. And Shingdig was a very important part of that. 
for the people who are rock historians who love digging in deep and figuring out how things happened, how history affected current times, uh, here's a little factoid about how key this program was to putting music out to the American public, to the public at large. There's two songs that I can think about that are ingrained into our musical consciousness, and they both debuted out of this show right here. One was California Dreaming by the Mamas and the Papas. It came out on the show. Everybody who knows a little bit about music, anybody who has gone out of their musical comfort zone, be it whatever genre there is, they're going to know about California Dreaming. Another song that was introduced on Shindig was Locomotion. Come on, baby, do the locomotion. Mm. Come on, come on, you metalheads that listen to this podcast. Don't act crazy. Don't act as if you don't know that song. You probably know the dance as well. Settle down, class. It's this week's rockin' higher education lesson on Led Zeppelin 101 with Professor Adam Lee Tate. This week's Higher Education on Zeppelin 101. And yes, that is an organ. But you're not sitting at the cathedral. You're going to get Zeppelinized in a very religious manner. Because this week, baby, on January 11th of 1969, Zeppelin released their eponymous, their self-titled album, Led Zeppelin. And this is Your Time Is Gonna Come. Yeah. Performed by the Black Crows, by the way. That's Chris Robinson on vocals and Jimmy Page on the guitar. I love the Black Crows. They did a great job with this song. Yeah, Zeppelin 1 was released in this week, man, in 1969. Oh, 69. Wow. That is probably one of the most recognized albums uh, and influential on the whole spectrum of hard rock. Yeah. And their time did come. Historically, wow. Zeppelin. I figured I'd do something like this because... In the last episode, I completely butchered the Zeppelin. Come on, Adam. Come back, damn it. So I won't be screwing this up as bad as I do. 
You all know this album, Good Times, Bad Times, You Shook Me, Days and Confused, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. Actually, uh, I love the great white cover of Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. Oh, communication Breakdown, Black Mountain Slide, you name it, it's, it's on this album. Is it as popular as other Zeppelin albums? No, it's not. It's the first album. This is the album they were touring on going to college campuses in the States. Showing the world what was about to come in the form of some very gritty, some British bluesy rock and roll. This album made the top 10 in both the U.S. and the U.K. The only place it made number one was in Spain. Jimmy Page was very reluctant to release singles. So outside of the U.K., they released two singles off of this album, which is Good Times, Bad Times and Communication Breakdown. The real popularity of this album grew in what at the time was known as album-oriented rock stations. And this is what really made this album take off as an album per se, not as a record with some singles, and that's the end of that. So in other words, whoever approached this album approached it as a whole, as a collective. And that's, you know, that's so cool, especially today that these so-called artists throw out some disposable diaper single and whatever else material they have, they really don't care about it or they don't care enough about it to put it out to us, the public, and check out an entire album. Listen to all of the work, maybe get some variety, maybe listen to something that may be a little different within uh, their creative capacity. That's why albums like this and albums from artists from this the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you're going to get, well, not so much the 80s, maybe halfway through the 80s, you're going to get in those albums differences you're gonna get uh, maybe you'll get some samba maybe you'll get some reggae thrown into there you'll have different feels of different kinds of creations that these artists can put into these albums and yeah sure the single puts it out there feeds the public what may be at the time may be popular but also those of us who like going and listening a little bit further we could go in there and find these gems and the reason I mentioned samba and reggae and these even uh, black gospely kind of music, Zeppelin put those kinds of those kinds of musical taste into their blues infused rock and roll, and that inspires other artists to do the same, which we had seen time and time again. Now, were Zeppelin the first to infuse other types of instruments or musical genres into there? No, the Beatles had done it, the Stones were doing it. So, but still, you know. I think Zeppelin being categorized hard rock as they were hard bluesy rock to do those changes and to infuse that into the music was so cool. Now, since this is like an origin story, the name of the band Led Zeppelin came from the Who's drummer Keith Moon when he predicted that the band's music would go over like a Led Zeppelin. So at that point, they changed the name from the New Yardbirds to Led Zeppelin. And the rest is history. Also, today, on January the 9th of 1944, Mr. Jimmy Page was born. He's 79 years old today. Happy birthday, Mr. Jimmy Page. Man, I don't think it was that bad. I, I think I may have made amends for last week's Zeppelin debacle. Right. 
it is time to take it back to the 1970s with this group right here. And this is Player Baby. a funky tune right here. I love it. Maybe that's why I stuck it in here. And uh, because an LA group was called Player. This one right here had a top tune in the U.S. called Baby Come Back. What a monster hit this was. Wow. There you go. If Godzilla was here, he'd probably say, you're playing that song for Adam. And I'd say, hey, stop it, Godzilla. Nah. It's not a subliminal message at all. And you've already heard it. The police is can't stand losing you live. Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> I just realized. Baby Come Back and I Can't Stand Losing You. Two songs right after the other with a subliminal message. Maybe, maybe not. That sounds kind of Pride Monthish. <laughs> I think I'm missing Gosilo a lot more. <laughs> okay. 1978 again. January the 13th of 1978. The same day that Player was number one. And with a budget of only $1,000 borrowed from Stuart Copeland's brother, Miles Copeland. I think we all know this legend. Rock Giants, the police, started recording their debut album at the Surrey Sound Studios in Surrey, England. Sting, Andy Summer, and Stuart Copeland came out of that studio with Outlandos de Amor, which was released in November of 1978. So what comes out of that album since we're talking about albums like Zeppelin? So Lonely, Roxanne, the one you just heard a little while ago, Live, Can't Stand Losing You, Next to You, and I want to say, oh God, The Truth uh, hits every... Well, I mean, let, me, let me look at it real quick. Let me, I think it's The Truth. Give me a second. The Police. Outlandos. Yep, yep, yep. It's The Truth Hits Everyone. Here's a little sample of it. I love it. Outlandus de Amor. Now, remember how I was saying that there's different influences on records if you go a little bit past of whatever the hit is? This is a great example also. Uh, here's a band that was considered punk, and they're putting out all this wonderful music. A lot of it is reggae-infused, but still, it's so good to listen to. 
if you get a chance to listen to these albums after you hear this podcast and God knows what else I could come up with, here's a minimum two albums, Zeppelin one and Outlandus de Amor by the police. Punk and reggae. Who would think that these two things would actually mesh together? The police did. Here's a really cool musical fact. The reason you have a lot of British artists that are influenced by reggae is because the British islands, which one of them is Jamaica, the Bahamas, they were colonized by the English. So you have a lot of folks from this part of the world living in London and influencing the music scene. So you have not only the police, you have Led Zeppelin uh, took on some reggae. Eric Clapton took on some reggae. It just goes to show you how it all comes together and makes this wonderful noise. Noise, quote unquote, that back in 1978 cost close to $1,000 to produce. Man, just thinking to myself here, I don't give a lot of love to the police, not detailed love like I just gave them right now. So I'm going to switch it up. And I'm going to give some love to a group that we've given love time and time again. Sometimes it's some tough love. But you know, this is back when I really loved them. And this is Motley Crue from back in 1981 taking us to the top. I know the lyrics to that one too, but... I'm going to spare you. Yeah, Motley Crue at its beginning, at its rawest. January the 17th, 1981. Rock and roll history was made when bass guitarist Nicky Six left his band London to start rehearsal with a guy called Greg Leon and, of course, drummer Tommy Lee, effectively marking the beginning of Motley Crue. So if you didn't know this, Motley Crue was a trio at the beginning because Greg Leon was the singer and the guitarist for the group. But months later, Greg Leon would depart and this would open the doors for guitarist Mick Mars and singer Vince Neil, then officially starting their legacy as Motley Crue, as the Motley Crue we know today. A Motley Crue that retired back in 2015 came back last year. After a long delayed tour due to the pandemic. And now they're going to tour again this summer. That is 331 e And Batman 1966 meets Metal. I love it. As a matter of fact, what don't I love when it comes to this kind of stuff? Woo, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> I wish they would have played this version on that TV show. I love that TV show as well. I probably would have loved it more. 1982, January the 20th. And in above all places, Des Moines, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off of what he thought was a plastic bat, starting another legendary story in heavy metal rock and roll. And just to refresh our audience 
our legion of listeners. It has nothing to do with the occult. I believe I spoke about that last episode. In this incident, there were some people who were attending Ozzy's show. They had a live bat and they threw it on stage. The story goes, stunned by the light, the bat laid motionless. Ozzy sees it, picks it up, and he attempted to bite the head off. At this point, the bat becomes reanimated, starts flapping, and they realize at this point, Ozzy had bitten a live animal. Now, everybody knows this is going on. The audience gets to see a piece of it. I mean, back in 1982, I don't know how many big screen TVs they had and things of this nature. I don't think they did. Anyway, the show continues, and immediately after the show, Ozzy is rushed to the nearby hospital to get some rabies shots. And that's it. There's nothing else to this legendarium. If I disappointed somebody who hadn't heard this story ever, well, guess what? Make up whatever ending you want to the story because this is what this podcast is all about. Believe in no one and do your own research. And this right here is action, not words. But not performed by Def Leppard, but by Def Legend. Take a listen. Fan recorded, sure. But Def Legend, big uh, Def Leppard tribute band out of uh, Bacon Electric out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Action Not Words, one of my favorite songs off of uh, Pyromania, which back in 1983, January the 20th of 1983, Def Leppard released their third studio album, Pyromania, which featured new guitarist Phil Collins, actually, and was produced by Mutt Lang. The album was now has the album has now sold over 10 million copies in the U.S. alone. Pretty cool effect how I faded myself out, huh? <laughs> I think sitting alone here in Datekoa Studios 1, sometimes I feel a little bored without my body here. You know what? If you feel the same thing, send me an email to TommyNAdamPod at gmail.com to see if we go to more of these tribute band concerts like we went back in the uh, summer to see the ACDC tribute band because our rock and roll heroes are passing away. Man, they're either not up to speed to play for us or they're just croak. I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast the death of David Crosby. He passed away this week, too, even though I wasn't a big fan of his music or anything that he did. I mean, I know a few of those uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash songs. and uh, I know they also had work with Neil Young on an album called Deja Vu. Uh, you know, those guys are from the geezer folk songs era of the 60s buffalo springfield shit like that going back to def leppard and speaking of deceased uh let me find my place back here yeah back in january the 9th of 1991 steve clark guitarist with def leppard he was found dead from a mixture of prescription drugs and alcohol after the autopsy they found that he had died of an overdose of codeine valium morphine and a blood alcohol level of 0.30 In 2007, he was ranked number 11 on Classic Rock Magazine's 100 Wildest Guitar Heroes. I'm not going to abundant any more on this because 
Adam and me probably already spoke about this in previous episodes. You go ahead and check it out. The Tommy That I'm Hard to Name podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, and the rest. And, uh, man, you know, here's a guy who was ranked number 11. Wow. Number 11 is pretty high. And he wasn't even around to celebrate it, you know. Here's another guy who passed away due to the weakness of needing uh, chemical happiness. Isn't that something? That you have to use all these drugs and alcohol and whatever. Put them in your body to escape reality. When from the outside, family, friends, and us the fans see that this is such a great life. And uh, these artists, you know, even common people, people that we know on a day-to-day also uh, suffer from these things. And just don't get the help that they need. If you're out there and you're having some problems, you know, get some help. Do yourself a favor. Do a favor to those who love you. But be an egoist. Be a selfish person and think about yourself. Cry out and get some professional help. Don't end up like many you may know. Don't end up like so many of our rock and roll heroes. You know what? That was an unintended PSA. So let's keep rocking. And this is Yes, owner of a lonely heart. Now check this part out right here. This is called a shock on the keyboard. I love that one part because it sticks out because it's off key. Very cool. Stands out in the song. This is a live version of it. This is uh, Yes Live at the Apollo. I like Yes. You know, a lot of people are known for uh, Roundabout. Many are familiar with them just because of this song right here, back from the 80s, maybe my generation more. This is a 60s band from Great Britain. Also considered a progressive rock band, maybe because of the way they construct their songs, their groove, their timing, the elements that they incorporated into them. Like I said, that one shock techniques with the keyboard at the beginning, it's more pronounced on the original record. Live, it didn't come out as, as pronounced, but still, man, I just it's that one part that sticks out. You just want to play that imaginary keyboard. That's my best keyboard sound sound effect. And then right after, those distorted chords. What makes a great song? The simplicity of the song is more than likely the answer. Basic, simple notes brought together and it sounds so good inside your eardrum. Your brain processes it, considers it worthy enough to send it to your most inner part of your soul, which starts moving parts of your body. That's how that works. Just for shits and giggles, let's listen to the original record version. Nice. Thank you, yes. Here's my part. On top that I have my songs, I also have my parts, like that one right there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge Yes fan, but there is some songs that just stick out, and that would be one of them. Back on January the 21st of 1984, Yes, not the exclamation or the affirmation, hits number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with their top 10 hit, Owner of a Lonely Heart, the only top 10 hit that this group has ever had jumping on the time machine and heading back to 1984 the week before the number one song was union of the snake by duran duran the week after owner of a lonely heart was number one 
Culture Club's Karma Chameleon. This is the competition. These were the competitors on the musical battlefield back at the beginning of 1984. And the week after Culture Club, if that gave you any kind of nightmares or backflashes, it was Van Halen's jump. And Van Halen got topped by Nana. 99 fluff balloons. Remember that mess? Yeah. 1984. What a year in pop music. So it's pretty gratifying to see both Van Halen and Yes covering that number one slot, waving the banner of rock and roll. This weekend. Oh, yeah. Kiss. Gee, what am I going to do? What the hell do I do? You heard right. That was number 45. Firing our hero, Mr. Gene Simmons, back in 2008, actually on January the 17th of 2008, when billionaire real estate mogul and future president of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump, called him a great genius marketer, then kicked his ass right off the show. I never saw any of those celebrity apprentices other than maybe a quick excerpt here and there of it. Uh, Reality TV is not real TV, in my opinion, so I really didn't pay too much attention. But what I get from the story is that they were doing some kind of a campaign for Kodak. But Gene's fierce, independent individuality couldn't permit him to recognize that these guys, whatever they pitched, wasn't good enough. So he just kept on bumping them and whatnot. Donald Trump had no other choice, quote unquote, to kick him off the show. In typical Gene fashion, here's a guy who knows about business or says he knows a lot about business. Given the licensing and marketing trajectory of the Kiss brand, he said something that he had guitar picks that were older than these young whippersnappers from Kodak or from wherever they were. So if you look at it from a real genuine perspective of what we know historically about Gene Simmons and his money-making mind, of course he was 100% right. Who's not going to listen to a guy who has created an entire empire around this band, this rock and roll band? You'd be insane not to listen to him. This is one of those firing, even if it's fictional, where I would say Gene Simmons won, The Apprentice Zero. And in another kind of an origin story as well, back in 1974, January the 8th of 1974, Casablanca Records signed Kiss to a recording contract soon after catching their act in New York. Kiss played their very first industry show for family and friends and obviously for musical executives and were signed by Casablanca Records. And thus starts the beginning. One last note. Happy birthday, Mr. Paul Stanley. He was born on January the 20th of 1952. Yesterday, Mr. Paul Stanley turned 71 years old.
that guy right there. Last Monday was a holiday. It was Martin Luther King Day. And, and I wanted to mention that we drove down to Bremen and had an early dinner down there at the Rock and Brews. I wanted to say that during this segment. I just kind of like forgot and just remembered. Nah, bro, you, you see me, bro? I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. Let's get started. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Historic hip hop rapizzle moment. Yo, yickety yo. Two minutes, go. No, it is not a petting zoo. It is not the farm. It's a rap battle. I think this is the uh, beatbox portion of it. Yeah. <laughs> the beatbox portion. There you go. <laughs> Why play an instrument when you can fake uh, being a turntable? Jeez. Yeah, rap battles. Yeah, rap battles. What a main subject is known for on this episode's historic hip-hop rap hizzle moment. Or at least that's what we learned in his movie, Eight Mile. Remember that, you hip-hop rap hizzers? That audio bite at the beginning of this segment was a video that I found that was titled, This is what happened when white people go unsupervised at rap battles. <laughs> You've probably already guessed that Eminem is the subject of our historic piece here because in 2018, oh, as recent as 2018, January the 18th of 2018, Eminem is questioned by the Secret Service about lyrics in his song Framed, where he imagines Ivanka Trump murdered in the trunk of his car. Talk about wasting the taxpayers' money. The agents later determined Eminem was not a threat. <laughs> Eminem later raps about it in another song that's called The Ringer. There's a lyric cited here that uh, says, Agent Orange, obviously referring to Trump himself, just sent the Secret Service to meet me in person. If you ask me, by doing that, they just gave Eminem even more clout. Forget all that nonsense, because what I really want to talk about is these rap battles. This movie that I had mentioned, 8 Mile, which is the semi-autobiography of uh, Eminem. This, mo <laughs> this movie is responsible for that mess that we heard on the audio tape. <laughs> this is the movie that anybody who saw it felt the need to go out and rap battle. It was like back in the 70s. Anybody who saw Enter the Dragon or any Bruce Lee Kung Fu movie for some reason felt that they could go ahead and fight karate. Same thing happened with the Rocky movies. Anybody who saw these boxing movies with Sylvester Stallone in it thought that they could go out and kick somebody's ass. For all of you who rapped during this time frame and thought you were M&Ms, newsflash, life doesn't imitate art well. Just like in the Bruce Lee and the Rocky movies, it takes something called talent. You couldn't just go out there and expect not to be <laughs> laughed at if you're out there rap battling. 
I'm going to share with you this quick story before uh, before I go to the urban and the hip-hop rap pizzle dictionary for our definitions today. Uh, 8 Mile came out, I want to say early 2000s, right? A little bit later in the 2000s, I had this group of soldiers. One of them was this white kid that rapped, and he was really good at it too. He even had this record. It was very well produced. He had the whole hip-hop attitude rap thing down. In other words, he had the flow. He had the uh, spitizzle skills that you need for uh, this kind of uh, activity. Didn't give us any problems, really. He did what was expected of him. The only thing I could say is that he stood out like a sore thumb. Uh, and it was just his, uh, I guess, his demeanor. He wanted to be a hip-hop star. You can't blame him. I mean, sure, I don't know if he had seen the Eminem movie or what. But still, it's America. Plus, this kid was a combat veteran. You know, he had already been out to the desert. Yeah. So why not? He had every right in the world. One of those times he came on the radar was we were at this military event. It was casual. There was a dress code. And these two, let's say, individuals in the hip hop world, they'd be known as haters. They came up to me and they said, oh, Sergeant Martinez, listen, uh, such and such has saggy pants. And it was two females. Here I am trying to have a good time and somebody's giving me damn complaints. I'm like, what the hell? No way. This, you know, he's smarter than that. When in doubt, you don't take the word of anybody. You go and you find out for yourself. So I call him over. I said, come here, man. What's going on? He immediately became defensive. Oh, Sarge, I know why you calling me over, you know, these females. And I said, stop, 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 stop. Do you have saggy pants or not? Turns around, lifts his shirt up. He had these pants that the back pockets, so I'll never forget it, that would go all the way from his waist to a little bit further down from the back of his knees. Case closed, moving on. Another time, I had another uh, person more senior to him come to me and said something that really did bother me. To give you a little context for the rest of the story, even though the military is a melting pot itself, sometimes people could get confused. And uh, what is known today as, I think it's called cultural appropriation. I, I, I believe Adam was the one that told me this. Uh, you have to understand what the attitude is and the general feelings of people. It's all about understanding people. This person that comes to me is a really nice person. She's black and she says to me, my son is hanging out with such and such. And they go and they hang out at this notoriously bad. And when I say bad, I'm talking about fucked up bad. In the news, people have gotten killed. There's shootings. The whole thing is happening at this club. And, and I know that they hold rap battles and all kinds of things are happening at this club. You hear about it not only in the news, but you hear it from the soldiers who actually been there. At this point, I'm like, okay, let me handle this. I call him in. The first thing I ask him is, have you been to such and such place? Again, he gets defensive and he's like, oh, Sarge, that's the place to be at, this, this, and the other. And I'm like, stop. And I told him, here's the deal. That place is off limits. I don't want you going there. I don't want to hear it. And it set off this whole chain of events. Uh, I was very unpopular for a little while. His supervisor came to speak to me. And I said, listen, an order is an order. He's not going to go. And here's the reason why. Sometimes, again, life imitating art. These kids can get wrapped up in the moment. No pun intended. Next thing you know, they're up there. They're, they're rap battling or whatever the hell they're doing up there. And what if all of a sudden they want to let go of the n is a word? At this place would not have been the smartest place to do that. And if you think that word isn't used by non-brothers, then think again. You're very ignorant. 
And it's very offensive for whatever reasons there may be. And, and sure, he was a combat veteran. And at that age, guess what? You feel invincible. He may have replaced his regular nutsack with uh, mental balls of steel. And it could have been anything. It could have just been his mere presence being there and somebody wants to make a name for themselves. Anything could happen at these places. From the honky-tonks to the hardcore hip-hop clubs. This is the kind of stuff that happens. And to end with this, you know, saga that I just, uh, <laughs> that I laid on you guys, time proved me right. A couple of weeks later, there was another shooting. Somebody got killed. And I made sure that everybody knew about it. And that's the end of this chapter. In the future, I'll make sure to tell you about this black kid that loved going into these heavy metal mosh pits. That's a good story, too. Going back to the uh, hip-hop rap hizzle, the Caucasian messiah of rap was in trouble with the U.S. government. Wait, how was I going to start this off? I forgot. May I have your attention, please? Well, the real Donald Trump, please stand up. You're gonna have a problem here. You before. Between here and Mexico, we're building a wall. And our immigration problem is worse than before. But we better give Obama props, because what we got in office now. The president of Mexico said, I'm a world-class liar. The wall just got 10 feet higher. African-American. This is oh. guy right Yeah, sick tan. And Hillary Clinton couldn't be elected dog catcher. You know the facts, and you know the facts well. Are you a Taliban? I am the least racist person you've ever met. I am He's orange. Donald yeah, Trump. sick. So want the real Donald Donald Trump, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. Call up a fist. Yes, Democrats, they deserve a punch. So weren't the real Donald Trump, please stand up, please stand up. orange, stand yes. up. Yes, a lot of people on food stamps. Throw them out. Oh, weren't the real Donald Trump, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. He's orange. Yes, yeah, sick tan. He's orange. Yes, yeah, sick tan. He's orange. Yeah, sick tan. I'ma stop. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? I didn't hear anything wrong there. That's a Datekoa promotion original that I decided to throw out at you. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the Urban Dictionary first. How about that? To see what it has to say about uh, the Secret Service. In addition to the standard definition, which is it says here, a bunch of guys who work for the government and will take a bullet for the president if they have to. Okay, they have one here that says. It's a popular term thought to be initially coined back in 2008 at a donut shop. It indicates an incognito or underhanded act. It's both a verb and an adjective. It says here as the application, John met a girl on Tinder. Ah! Oh, <laughs> he went on a date with her without telling his friends. John went on a secret service date. Oh, okay. That's not too bad, especially if the chick is ugly or what if it turned out to be a dude? <laughs> I can see where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm frogging up here. <clears throat> I can see where that could be a problem, especially in a ball busting session. That that would be bad. Okay, the hip hop rap hizzle. Uh, it says here secret servicing, actually. It's a verb. All right. When you're having sex with more than one person and need to keep it on the low so the others won't find out. More importantly, your main boy or girlfriend, since they so happen to know these other people as well. How many people are involved in this? That's a very busy Secret Service person. Anyway, it says here for the applicability, couple coming out of the motel and the guy says, we need to keep this on the down low so Tamika won't find out. <laughs> if she does, she'll fuck us both up. <laughs> There's a bunch of others. You can look them up yourself. I'm going to read you this last one from the Hip Hop Rap Hizzle Dictionary. It says, Secret Service Agent, a noun, 
a female who during a hot and heavy bang fest somehow gets bodily fluids in her ear and puts her finger on her ear to check what could have happened, making her look as if she was a Secret Service agent. Okay, the applicability. I stood still for a moment, taking in her heavy breathing and the wild look in her eyes as she raised her hand and placed her finger over the entrance to her ear. I could have sworn she looked just like a Secret Service agent. Time to get the Q-tip. Okay, so the last uh, word off of these uh, dictionaries is going to be rap battle. The Urban Dictionary has a bunch of them. Here's one of them. An instance in American culture where two black males, in some occasions white, who think they're black. (laughs) Oh, shit. Insult each other with lyrical rhymes appeasing a large crowd and earning respect by roasting the N-words. The tragedy I was trying to avoid when I was back in the army. I don't think they would have fared well using that word. That's just my opinion. Let's close it out with the hip-hop rap hizzle dictionary definition. Rap battle. Two chicken brains of any ethnicity on a stage hijacking hip-hop culture attempting to insult each other with whack rhymes. (laughs) until a black guy shows up, which at that point, the stage and venue becomes hastily vacated, making way for when the real rap battles are about to begin. See, there's a correlation there, at least according to this uh, definition. And here's the applicability for this one. Yo, what kind of whack shit is this? That's better. Man, that that venue did uh, empty out pretty fast. This segment was initially created to, you know, educate us a little bit more on this uh, hip-hop rap hizzle stuff. And uh, Adam is missing out by not being here. And this is Rock and Roll Birthdays Born on this day. Got your mother. And that is Mr. David Bowie, born January the 8th of 1947, and that's Rebel Rebel. English singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, painter, and actor. He died from liver cancer, actually, on January the 10th of 2016. May Mr. David Boy continue resting in peace.
That was the Foo Fighters, of course, the best of you live. Man, happy birthday. Dave Grohl, born on January the 14th of 1969. Oh, 69. He's 53 today. Have you guys ever checked out one of the uh, birthday concerts David Grohl has out on YouTube? You got to check them out. They're so fantastic. He brings a uh, plethora of musical artists and guests and they just they have such a good time up there happy birthday again mr dave grohl also on january the 10th of 1945 mr rod stewart celebrated a birthday pat benatar on january the 10th of 1953 jam master j of run dmc he was born on january the 21st of 1965 yeah he's a little bit younger than me uh he was killed on october the 30th of 2002 that's kind of fucked up. It still hasn't been solved. Celebrating a birthday not too long ago as well was uh, Mr. Zach Wild from uh, Black Label Society, Ozzy Osbourne. Recently, Pantera. Pantera's having some issues. Or should I say the new Pantera lineup is having some issues. You may want to go ahead onto the Rock News and check some of that out. I think they were replaced on some uh, European festivals by the, actually by the Foo Fighters. So, Mr. Zach Wild, happy birthday. One of the uh, forefathers of romantical rap, Mr. LL Cool J. He was born on January the 14th of 1968. He's 55. Romantical rap, huh? <laughs> I must say that. <laughs> That's the first time I hear that term. So let's let's listen to some of this romantic rap. Okay. All right. She was raised down in Brooklyn. <laughs> My man, LL Cool J. Happy birthday, dude. And of course, on that note, we will go into a world that could very well be using some of the music of Mr. LL Cool J. Influence the unsuspecting world with that bow tag. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, but Influencer Showcase. Of course, let's get right into it. Hitting the Lord of the G-Strings app, version 1.69. Bang. (laughs) All right, so what do we have here today? We have soy... Michelle Rabbit, and that handle is, and it's on Instagram, by the way, S-O-Y-M-I-C-H-E-L-L, like L-L Cool J, (laughs) E-R-A-B-I-T, just like that, no underscore, no dots, no nothing else, just the way I spelled it out for you. Thanks to our uh, Lord of the G-String app. If you don't have the current version, I highly suggest that you download it. I've been tinkering around on that app. It's coming up with some other... uh, Uh, sites not just instagram it's branching out but in this case it did go to instagram and as i've been recently doing i've been copying the link putting it down on the description so it'll be much easier for you to find this treasure soy michelle rabbit oh this is a a first 
Uh, she has taken her a butt influencer shot in front of the international airport in Barranquilla, Colombia. So I'm going to assume that she's Colombian. I'm not going to go any further on that. You could do your own research if you like. <laughs> this is a perfect example as you contrast reality with the fantasy world. Now, if you've already gone to it, Soy Michelle Rabbit is standing in front of the uh, of this airport terminal. She is wearing like uh, she is wearing one of those. I would call it a Victoria's Secrets brand kind of a varsity high school jacket. Okay, has a big letter V on there. I'm gonna guess it's for Victoria's Secret. And it's blue. She has what seems to be some shorts that are also blue. But I say seems to have shorts is because they are wrapped around the bottom of her butt cheeks. How many times have I been to any airport on this planet and have seen a sight such as this? It's incredible. The caption is the best part of it. It says, uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit this translation like my uh, brother Adam has taught me to. And it says, because it was in Spanish, so it says here in English, happy to tell you that after two months traveling all over Europe, I have finally arrived in Colombia, Barranquilla, Colombia, to be exact. If you want to believe she was two months traveling all over Europe, maybe dressed like this, I, I, I say knock yourself out. For being two months in uh, Europe, uh, she only has one carry-on and she's already outside the terminal. I would dare to say that she got out of a car, she lowered her pants down to influence as many as she could with that influential butt, which, by the way, yes, it is very influential, jump right back into the car and sped away. That's just me, but you can believe whatever you want to believe. The photo itself is very spectacular. The blue of her clothes matches the blue of the sky. It's beautiful. <laughs> the greenery in the back. It's, it was a perfect location. It was a perfect shot. Her hair was good. I mean, her butt is completely unblemished, as my friend Adam would say. So it was just a perfect situation. It all came together by chance, I'm sure. Wink, wink. Now, uh, let's go to some of these uh, comments, like I've been recently doing since taking the reins of this podcast on the solo. Now, the first one that pops up says, uh, babe, and who says that is somebody who's verified. Her name is Pandora Kaki. I see that. I see that. She is also a butt influencer. We may have to go ahead and, uh, oh, 9 million followers. Wow. We're going to have to uh, maybe consult the Lord of the G-Strings app on this one sometime in the future. There's another one here that says, it, they're all the standard comments in its great majority, a bunch of emoji hearts and fires oh there's one that uh is has a blue heart on there i don't know what that means uh i'll have to find that out later uh there's none that really stick out here's one that the guy says you can't stop being a whore even in photos <laughs> oh my god oh and there's a reply to it the reply says if you don't like it don't follow it she is beautiful it has nothing wrong with showing us her natural beauty <laughs> that's the guy who actually believes she was in europe for two months and by the way, when I say guys, it's people who or have names of guys. You really don't know who these people are behind these handles. They could be some of these social media robots or or scammers back in Africa, Asia or Russia. Here's another one. The guy says, get a real job or go to school so you can be more productive. This this country is more than about showing everything you have. That guy must not like a butt influencer shit. I guess that's a big import and export for Colombia. At least that's what I've seen here on Instagram. And if you ask me, butt influencing 
is a hell of a lot better export than their other known export, which is the drug trade. Maybe Michelle Rabbit, or what was her name? Soy Michelle Rabbit. Maybe she goes all over the world and represents Colombia. Who knows? She gets there. She says, Colombia is magical realism. You know, gives some emphasis on their on their travel slogan to get more tourists to come to Colombia. And who knows? Maybe she is really traveling in the name of Colombia. <laughs> what if she's a butt ambassador? Hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. It's difficult being more mature than your father. That's more beneficial to the world than exporting fucking illegal drugs. <laughs> At least if you ask me, that is shit. Alright. It is time for hashtag what the frijoles. Yeah. You know what? I just I thought for a second here, an ambassador that's a butt influencer or a butt ambassador? You know what? That's really not a bad idea. Well, maybe not a good idea today, but before the world became woke and all this other bullshit, it's a pretty damn good idea if you ask me. <laughs> Even though today in 2023, whoever came up with it probably be apologizing about it. Even though in the inside, they really don't mean it. I've lingered long enough. Let's get to the what the frijoles. Okay. Fox News, always interesting. Fair and impartial news. You can depend on wink, wink. Three armed customers stop panty-clad robbery suspect yielding a gun, police say. <laughs> oh, this, uh, this headline has a few words that immediately clamor for your attention. And if panty and gun don't, I recommend that you stay on the more sensitive slash non-offensive liberal side of the news. Because I don't think this story is going to end with anybody hugging this uh, robbery suspect. That's a spoiler alert. Elijah, Georgia. A couple is being held in the Gilmer County Adult Center without bond after an attempted robbery that onlookers can only describe as bizarre. One of the suspects used a pair of panties as a face mask to conceal his identity. Did this guy have two legs protruding from the top of his head? Was he one of those Huttese slave girls like in the Star Wars movie? You know, uh, the ones that uh, Jabba the Hutt used to pull on his chains. The ones that have those two like tentacles coming out of their heads. And for the Star Wars nerds, I think they're called Twi'leks. Ooh, nice. A little nerddom came out of me. Returning to the story, on January the 9th, Sean Sutton and his partner Melody Sutton went to an ideal mart on Old Northcutt Road in Elijah. Police say Sean entered the store posing as a customer looking to buy an energy drink while Melody waited in the car outside. After grabbing the drink, the police report says Sean pulled a pair of women's panties from around his neck to cover his face. In other words, this guy didn't look suspicious going in there with a panty scarf to begin with. This is Georgia. It doesn't get too cold there. Maybe people do use women's panties as scarves down there. We'd have to ask a Georgian. I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the story. It's pretty simple. After he uh, masked himself with his panties, he didn't describe the panties, by the way, so don't get too excited. Went across the counter, pointed the gun at the clerk. With these panties on over his face, 
told them this was a robbery. There was a uh, bystander there who so happens to be carrying a gun because Georgia is a open carry state. Pulls out his gun, points it at the robber and says, no, you're not. Another customer who saw what was going on went outside and got his gun that was in his car ran back inside, pointing it at the robber, while the first person who had the situation under control had to yell at him, don't shoot. Now, customer number three, who so happened to be pumping gas outside, also realizes what's going on, grabbed his weapon before coming inside to assist the other two. Customer number one disarms the robber and has to give verbal commands to the other two not to shoot the guy who attempted to rob this store. The police come, take over the situation, arrest his partner who goes by the name of Melody Sutton. And before it's all said and done, they tase Sean Sutton because he didn't want to follow commands from the police. Oh my God. I think he was more scared of the three maniacs with the guns. Or maybe he just wanted the police to tase his ass so they could say they did something. Either way, hooray, Second Amendment rights. Legal gun-carrying citizens, one. Armed criminals, zero. It's the Tommy and Adam hard-to-name podcast, Sound of the Week. You know what sound I'd like to hear? That taser when it went off on that guy. i like to see the video, too, actually. Sound of the week. All right, let me find my place here. Uh, you know how it gets. I start yammering, and I lose my place. All right, we're going to start it off with this right here. That's a very pronounced bass. I like it. And it's Mr. Flea. And the Red Hot... Chili peppers. Well, I'm an animal, something like a cannibal. A very flammable and partially programmable. Sent to these abundant Now I wear it myself. That is tip of my tongue. Tipper would be T-I-P-P-A, my tongue. And it's off of their uh, latest album, Return of the Dream Queen, which uh, I'd like to think it was released uh, October of 2022. If I'm wrong, I think Adam told me that. If I'm wrong, well, we can blame him. Unlike last episode that I had some audio issues, uh, this episode I have some new cables, so hopefully that came out pretty clear. The Peppers at it again. Nice single. I'd say back to basics for the Peppers. If you like that psychedelic funk rock that the Peppers deliver, I think this is it right here. This is a song for you, especially all of you who love the singles. Continuing with the singles that were released, if you're a thrash, hardcore, heavy metal fan, or a fan of this group, you already know it's out and permeating as many audio players out there because here it comes, baby. You know who this is. This is Metallica and Screaming Suicide.
Yeah! That one's very disturbing. How's that? Yeah. Woo! Gotta calm down so I can talk. Screaming Suicide off of their up-and-coming album, 72 Seasons. Scheduled to be released. I need to do a little bit better on this. Uh, Either April or May, maybe March of 2023. It doesn't matter. You're going to be out there. You're going to be looking for it. I'm sure you are. Lux Eterna and Screaming Suicide is, in my opinion, classic, classic Metallica. We're revisiting that Metallica that all of us older fans love. Here's a little excerpt from the lyrics. Don't ever speak my name. Remember, you're to blame. Keep me inside. My name is Suicide. I think there was a little bit of controversy over that. There was some bullshit in the rock news. You know, hey, they took on the S word, the suicide word head on. Some interview or some other place that had read, you know, they felt compelled that they had to go direct with that. That's pretty ballsy on behalf of Metallica, especially after some of our favorite metal groups have been sued over this about suicide. Metallica's mental health process, Voyage, has been publicly documented. That should qualify them to actually, at a minimum, to speak out about it. If you just enjoy songs, this is going to be a great song. If you're a person that needs help, I highly recommend you seek it professionally. I'm a mental health patient myself. I've been so for many years. It's helped me out immensely. I recommend you get some help. I don't recommend you listen to bullshit records, artists, influencers, and this other shit that are not professionals. That's not the way to go. One last thing about this song, because I was listening to it with my headphones, and I caught it as it occurred. At the beginning, it sounds either as if the stereo channel burns out, or it goes mono. It's a very cool little little quirk in the song, but if you listen to it really closely, you can catch it. The intro is classic Metallica high-speed thrash. There's this guitar riff. It goes... Then it kind of pauses... Let me just shut up so you, and play it for you real quick. <laughs> Woo! Kinda gives you a little break, and then it unleashes again some Metallica fury. I love it. I'm biased when it comes to Metallica, but check it out. You're going to love it. Speaking of biased, (laughs) we have come to the last part of the sound of the week. And if you torture yourself and watch the news, you're going to see that there's some issues again with alleged classified documents being left around. Mm -hmm. It's the Democrats' turn now to answer for this alleged faux pas. And it's funny how these things work out. First, it was Trump. Now it's President Biden who has some explaining to do. And since here on the Tommy and Adam Hartney podcast, don't trust regular news, we have our own special events recording team. They went out on the street and asked the random public at large if they are concerned or not. And we took it a step further. We poured all that audio into our very own biased or unbiased personal opinion analyzer computer program. Because here, we really prefer impartiality for any opinion to count. 
I am going to play the first two to give you a little feel of how it went down. So remember, the question was, are you concerned with high-level politicians, i.e. with President Biden, since he's the most recent, allegedly leaving classified documents just laying around anywhere? Very concerned about them. Biased. I'm actually, no. Unbiased. Okay. So the first two picked up by our biased or unbiased personal opinion analyzer. The first was biased and the second was unbiased. None of those opinions were impartial, according to our uh, high-level technology. <laughs> let's, let's listen to the rest to see if we do find anybody who's impartial when it comes to their political opinions. It concerns me very much. Biased. The only concerns I have is if the documents is going to jeopardize the United States citizens. Biased. I'm concerned that he's hiding something about um, his financial dealings with Ukraine and China and his son's hunters as well. Conservative. Fanatical. Republican. Nut. Hey! The only concern I have is uh, I hope they straighten that up, but I believe he's been planted. And I don't think he'd have been that uh, naive to have that in, in his office. Crazy, woke, liberal, Democrat. Stop. It's supposed to be biased or unbiased. This is what happens when Adam is not here. He's not here to, to play around with these gadgets the right way. Here, let me. Okay, let's go again. Definitely think that is of concern and should be looked further into. Love. Wasting. Taxpayer. Money. On. Bullshit. Because of the Trump situation, I think it's been escalated, blown out of proportion. Uh, I am a Democrat, and I voted for Biden. I don't like the way this is going down. Crazy. Woke. Liberal. Democrat. I can't My stop concern it. is when they do something about ex-president Trump's, then they'll do something about his. Delusional. Crazy. Woke. Liberal. Democrat. He's the president of the United States. Uh, we should know what's going on. Yeah, I would like to know what it is. <laughs> I mean, Just plain nosy. It is a very, at the least, hypocritical for him to have gone after President Trump. Delusional. Crazy. Insane. Fanatical. Person. If you let him, Trump, go, let Biden go. Another. Delusional. Crazy. Insane. Fanatical. Person. I think he's still irresponsible because he should have caught up on that. I would go back and say, hey, make sure everything I have is clear. High on weed or drunk in this country. I think it's very concerning, and I hope that this is investigated swiftly and completely. We get to the bottom of it. Don't. No. Shit. <laughs> I, guess, I guess there's nobody who has an impartial... A political opinion in this country, but uh, <laughs> that ending, I have some suspicions that Adam had something to do with it. <laughs> oh my god, it's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast Sound of the Week. Oh, and that was this episode, Sound of the Week. I'm actually beginning to like it because I'm having a lot of fun, but I also see that this is towards the end of the show. Good times, bad times. I'm the Tommy and Adam Martin Podcast. Bad times first, 
bad times in the journey camp. Have the legion of listeners been keeping up with this journey drama in the rock news? The recent episode of this journey drama is Jonathan Kane sues Neil Sean for charging a million dollars to the journey card. That's the uh, headline on Ultimate Classic Rock, and it was yesterday on January the 20th. Says Journey keyboardist Jonathan Kane has lodged a counter lawsuit against bandmate and guitarist Neil Sean for allegedly charging over a million dollars in personal expenses to the band's shared American Express card, including a one month $400,000 shopping spree. Sean and Kane have been embroiled in a bitter, highly publicized legal battle over the past several months as the guitarist previously sued the keyboardist for improperly restricting his access to financial documents associated with the shared American Express card. The card account is linked to Nomota, the limited liability corporation that Kane and Sean established in 1998, in which they both have a 50% stake. Now I'm going to stop right here for the simple reason that if our listeners out there, especially our younger listeners, don't know that rock and roll and the music industry itself is a business, here's the perfect example. You have these guys write and perform songs about being rebels, about banging chicks, about lost love, about their politics, about going up against a man. When guess what? They're the man themselves. Did you hear that word that I mentioned during the reading of that article? Corporation. Shared liability. 50% stakes. It's about money. It always is. I'm going to lay on you how I suspect, how I highly suspect this is going to end. They have a tour coming up. I know because one of their stops is here in Wichita, Kansas. They're going to kiss and make up. They're going to go on the road and they're going to make more money. They may not speak to each other. They may not hang out with each other, but they're going to make money together. This is America. You should not be mad about that. So let's do ourselves a favor and not get wrapped in this bullshit. Finally, good times. Good times for Mr. Steve Vai. He has been reunited with one of his guitars by the name of Swiss Cheese. And this is off his uh, Facebook post dated uh, January the 15th of 2023. Check it out. Reunited and it feels so good. Oddly enough, after going missing 36 and a half years ago, my custom Joe Despangi, a Swiss cheese guitar, was finally returned to me. This guitar was custom built for me by Joe Despangi. Now, I'm going to pretend that I pronounced that last name right. Now, moving on. According to Steve Vai, this Joe guy was his best friend. He had made some other guitars for him. Uh, amongst them was the Flame guitar, another guitar that was named Zing Zing, uh, and this Swiss cheese guitar. He also made him some other ones. If you know anything about Steve Vai, you have seen him playing these really wild guitars. And the person that was responsible for these guitars was this Joe guy. Now, this guitar, this particular guitar, was used in the original Yankee Rose video while Steve Vai was playing with David Lee Roth. We've seen that video a ton of times. And to avoid going and searching for it uh, and playing you a piece of it, it's very uh, easy to remember because the guitar, this guitar, the Swiss cheese guitar, was made to have a conversation between David Lee Roth and this guitar guitar. It's at the very beginning of Yankee Rose. You can look it up yourself. This guitar was stolen in Pasadena, California, while they were rehearsing for the Eat 'em and Smile Tour, the David Lee Roth album. 
we've come to the part of the story where this is how the guitar comes back into the hands of Steve Vai. There's this guy in Tijuana, Mexico. His name is Ivan Gonzalez Acosta. And while he's going through his grandparents' attic, uh, reorganizing whatever he was doing up there, he comes across this guitar. The guitar was probably put there by the previous homeowners, left and forgotten when they sold his house. Ivan posts pictures of this discovered guitar online. It comes to the attention of a guy called Mike Mesker. Now, here's a cool part of the story. Who's this Mike Mesker? He is actually the historian of Steve I Guitars. <laughs> I think that's news itself. Steve I has a guitar historian. That sounds so phenomenal. After various back and forths between uh, Mike and Yvonne, they finally arrange for the guitar to be dropped off. When that occurred, there's another guy called Doug MacArthur, along with Steve Vai, to be present when the guitar was going to be handed over. And much to Steve Vai's delight, the guitar was pristine. It was intact. It was exactly how it was left 36 and a half years ago. Steve Vai ends his post by kindly thanking Ivan for his consideration for reuniting uh, him with this piece of his history. It doesn't say here how much uh, Ivan was paid or if he was even paid, but nonetheless, Steve Vai felt that he was reunited with his friend, with his old friend, uh, the Swiss cheese guitar. Uh, check out the pictures. They're online. They're really cool. That guitar is definitely a one of a kind. So, and this is how we're going to go ahead and conclude uh, this podcast. My voice is cracking. So uh, I've been yammering for, oh, wow, close to an hour and a half. And just uh, so you'll know, we have some good news. And that good news is that, uh, no, it's not bad times. <laughs> that good news is that Adam, someday, I don't know when, will be returning to this podcast. His seat over there is waiting for him. Adam, come on back, buddy. Yeah. As always, we want to thank our legion of listeners, our fans, and whoever else subjects themselves to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Keep in mind, life is not that serious, nor anything else that I have said on this podcast. Question everything and don't believe anyone. Do your own research. Come to your own conclusions. Again, search with the keywords, the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and everywhere else this podcast is on demand and streaming. Activate the notification icon to be notified when we are online. Write a comment and share it with a friend, but mostly with an enemy. Sitting in the hot seat for both my main man, Adam Tate, and me, I am Tommy Martinez, and you were listening to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Remember to always play it often, play it loud, but play it. Yeah! The Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast is produced by Dadakoa Promotions. Yeah! Which are the Kansas? Dadakoa Promotions.